This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hi guys, um, welcome to the newly refurbed um, All Yorkshire Aren't We podcast, turned into the Lions, Tigers, Terriers podcast, turned into the To Hull and Back podcast, so, you know, trial and error, we got there in the end. Um, <laughs> my name's Ant, um, from all originally now in Leeds. Um, I'm co-hosting with my friend Will, who I've known from school. So hi, Will. I'll do. There we go. Um, it's just basically going to be a whole city podcast this time round. So um, there is going to be no no other Yorkshire teams. I'll just throw that in there. Um, that was the basic premise, but availability has meant that we've had to uh, just narrow it down. And really, in terms of availability it's just going to be me and Will from now on so we're going to co-host um, Joel who is going to edit the videos will probably come on a few episodes as and when he can um, so we'll just get straight into it um, this season um, Grant McCann how have we done so far in your opinion and has what's happened done enough to change your mind on him Will? Well, at the start of the season, if someone had asked me where I thought we'd finish, I would have said mid-table probably at best, maybe all 12th to 14th, I would have said maybe, possibly worse, considering how last season went. Um, but it's surpassed all expectations for me personally. Um, I had no faith in the squad after what happened last season, to be honest. I had no faith in the manager in particular, how he was still in the job, quite frankly, at the club. I had mm. no faith in the, in the owners to still even then help him, to help Grant, in terms of building a team that would be good enough to get back up. And I'm surprised, to be honest, because he's not he's done some really good signings, to be honest, so far. And they've paid off for them. Pretty much all of them have paid off so far. Um, and, well, the top of the league can't really say more than that at the moment. No, yeah, I'd agree. Um, I was ever the pessimist at the beginning of the season. No change there. I've seen as... Um, I mean... Just like I just so disheartened with what happened last season. I mean that eight 0 drubbing a Wigan. I mean I paid a tenner to watch oh, that. Jesus. Um, and I, P- I think I got and, PTSD from that. Yeah, I mean the, just the fall from grace. I mean even people say it's the selling of Bone and Grisicki that started it. When in reality we'd lost the three before. Yeah, it and, was going bad before then, definitely. Um, selling them to should have um, spearheaded a change in approach and formation, which was my biggest gist with him last season. Is that what we were doing was not working. 
it was evident it was not working. We were conceding in the first three minutes of every game and then giving ourselves a mountain to climb. Um, and I just think that if something's not working, it needs to change. And McCann never seemed to do that. Uh, he insisted, he was stubborn, um, it wouldn't change. And ultimately we went from, what was it, level on points for sixth place on New Year's Day to bottom of the league. Yeah, we were, I think we were eighth, weren't we? We were level on points. It was goal difference that kept us out. It was when we um, beat Wednesday, wasn't it? We went level on points was with yeah. that sixth, I think it was. And then uh, disaster struck. Um, I mean, last season, Grant McCann, was he annoyed me, in, in not just in terms of we ran the side but his interviews he was he failed to take responsibility he was just saying that us as a club need to pull together all your usual cliches and when when you're a yeah. of doing as bad as it was you, you expect answers I think that was what rubbed me the most wrong the way about him was it wasn't the the results in particular of course that is obviously real bad but it was his reaction to the results and that it was as if we weren't on the losing run we were on and yeah. when when we finally actually did get confirmed relegation, he wouldn't take any, he wouldn't even say sorry. And that really is what rubbed me the wrong way. No, yeah, I mean, I can remember an interview with him. I think we we dropped to like 15 and we were we were still quite quite a cushion between the bottom three and us. Uh, but Bernsey asked him after a loss, I can't remember which game it was. And he said, are you in a relegation battle now? And McCann um, basically scoffed at Bernsey like he was immensely insulted that the relegation word had even been used because it was so obvious that we were not going to do that. Yeah, I think he said something along the lines of we're, it was something to do with points being closer to the playoffs than relegation or something along those lines is what he brought up at the time. Yeah. And then um, but, obviously with what happened, it makes it, um, obviously hindsight's a good thing, but when you look back, it's like, well, if you'd have noticed the problem sooner and tried to rectify it sooner, we might not have ended the way we did. I mean, I think we were very lucky to get the three points against Middlesbrough. That did, what was it? The well, yeah, that was a last-minute winner. Like in terms of that run, that's the worst capitulation from a Championship side ever. Which is absolutely lovely to have that tag. Um, but in terms of this season, I think yeah, I, I genuinely thought we'd be just in free fall. We'd go down again. Um, but what looks more and more evident is that maybe it wasn't McCann. Um, last season that was the problem and more the dressing room I mean if you think about it you had players like um, Lehigh and Irvine who were captain vice captain they'd left we had Marcus Madison on loan who obviously was not a good egg um, oh, that's I another mean, statement well yeah I mean good luck to Charlton for taking him well, on apparently, gamble. he seems to be doing he seems to be doing well there to be fair yeah, but maybe it's, this is his level yeah um, up until he gets dropped or something and he doesn't like it uh, but that's a topic for another day. Um, but t- to be fair, all the player interviews, even if you listen to Honeyman, a lot of them say, oh, well, um, a lot of the bad eggs have gone. Um, it's a lot more positive dressing room. I mean, you look at players like Greg Doherty, who is so supportive on Twitter. Like he shares the city's tweets and he's, he's, he's egging them on, whether he's played or he's not. Um, uh, Josh Emmanuel, he's been absolutely amazing. Um, signing local lads like Louis Coyle and you've got Jacob Greaves in the squad as well I just think that this season maybe we were a bit harsh on the can which is a big claim because if you think maybe now he's got his squad together and they're playing the way they want to we are now looking a lot better well I would say 
I would I would agree that maybe it was a bit too harsh on McCann, but there was definitely he can't he has to take some of the blame definitely because there was the tactical or the lack of tactical now it seemed was the lack the I'll try that again. Um, the lack of accepting when something had gone wrong mm. and trying to do something to counter that, which I think at times this season has slightly appeared yeah. again in certain games, but it's not been as bad. But that might be because we're at a lower level than we were. And yeah. I feel like, say, if this team did get win the league and got or just got promoted, let's just say, I have I have a feeling that it could happen again. But obviously, that's a story for a well another day. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so in terms of um, obviously we've recruited quite well in the summer. I think that's been a big thing. Um, Massive. Yeah, I, I don't actually think we've made a bad signing. I think maybe maybe Maya could show a bit more. But other than that. Um, who would you say out of everybody then? And I think I already know the answer because I think all City fans would say the same thing. Who do you think is going to, who, who's been our best signing? Of the summer, um, oh, it's got to be Josh Emmanuel. Yeah. Can't be anyone else. And it, it's weird because I think, like most fans, it was the case of, oh, we've got Louis Coyle. Love that. Local lad. He's going to be captain material. He'll play, he'll play his heart out. You're thinking he's going to be first choice. And then we sign Emmanuel and you're like, oh, that's a good bit of squad depth. Um, at least we've got some depth now in the fullback area, and then a man, and then Emmanuel plays, and Louis can't get in the side because he's playing so well. And that's nothing against Louis Coyle because when he has played, he's actually played all right. Yeah, it's just um, that Josh Emmanuel is a couple of levels. Exactly, just... he's just he's been. I don't think he's been our best player this season, but he's probably he's top three, definitely. Yeah, I mean. It's hard to disagree because I'd obviously have to say the same because I think it's more of the surprise factor as well, like you said, because everyone expected Coyle to be our first choice right back because of his suspension and then his injury. Emmanuel's had that chance to step in. and From his first game, he's probably been a man of the match contender in every single game he's played, um, which is weird because he, he, he you don't expect a right back to give you that level of consistency, but he is amazing defensively. And he's just as effective going forwards. He's almost he like play, a, he plays more like a wing back. Yeah, he, he he's got skills. He's got size. He's got strength. He's got power. He's good positionally, and he's got a heck of a cross on him. And it's just his link up with Wilkes is brilliant. That right hand side is definitely our strongest point. And it's like oh, definitely, it's a shame because Coyle, I think, would be sat on the bench thinking, if I didn't get that suspension, he would have probably played the first couple of games, and we wouldn't have known. Um, I mean, it's obviously not a bad thing. It's a great thing to have um, competition in all these positions. Um, the fact that we went from no right-backs to having two probably of the best right-backs in the league because Coyle was highly regarded at Fleetwood. He really was. Um, they were good. Yeah. He was highly regarded at Leeds and he hardly played for them as well. Yeah, yeah, as a youngster coming through. Um, so it, it's good that we've got two. It, you, you sort of wish that one of them could play left-back because Elder is... A bit questionable one game. I actually, the next yeah, it's game. funny you, it's funny you bring that up because I actually mentioned that to someone. Um, I can't remember what game it was. An elder had a bad game, and I was I brought up the idea of playing Emmanuel as a right back and playing Coyle as a left back. I don't know what they're like on their left foot. Um, in general, if they were forced to try and use it more than the right, but I think it's an experiment where maybe worth trying at some point. Um, and that, that's nothing against players like Fleming who would also be left-back adept. 
but it'd be worth seeing just like what the having those two players of their ability on this pitch at the same time. Yeah, I mean it's it, it's another tough one because I don't think we'll see it happen because, like you said, we've got um, two choices at left back anyway with Elder and um, Fleming. Fleming's a good prospect. He's just signed on again for a new few years. Exactly. Elder, I think, was one of our best players towards the end of last season, and then this season, I don't know. It seems to be a bit wobbly. He's good one game, bad the next. But I think that's just because he's probably finding his feet at this level. Um, and he, he even played Sean McLaughlin in left back. Uh, yeah. So he obviously doesn't want to try that. He obviously wants his two right backs, his two left backs. And that's why he's keeping it, which is fine. Can't complain at that. <laughs> you just want them both on the pitch, don't you? Because both class. I, I do. I think that the EFL switching it up so we can have five subs again has actually really helped cities with their squad. It would it allows more a very of the players. Bench usually. Yeah, we're, we're lucky because we're one of the strongest in terms of depth teams in the league. And now we're able to use more of those subs. It gives some of those players more of a chance to actually play regularly. Mm. So, like, I've, Coyle has come on in quite a few of the games, which he probably wouldn't have come on if there were still free subs. Yeah. Yeah. Realistically, you've got, um, you've got to think Emmanuel probably will tire towards the latter half of the game because he does bomb up and down that right-hand side quite a lot. So, yeah, the extra sub would probably get in the fray quite a lot more. Um, yeah, so I'd have to agree with you. That would also be my best signing. Um, you could argue the point that Honeyman's like a new signing. He's completely different to what he was last year, like it was chicken. Oh. <laughs> but he wasn't a summer signing. Um, we'll, we'll talk about um, the best performers later. Um, West. Oh, Honeyman, Honeyman is going to be coming up later. Yeah, he will be. Um, who would you say would be our worst signing then? It's weird that I think worst signing is the wrong way to describe yeah, it. it. Is, I don't it think is, any yeah, of the signings have been bad. Our least effective has made the I don't least know if I don't know if he's been our least effective, but there's something about Adelican that's kind of bothered me slightly. Yeah. Because he's one of those players who he was similar to Grisicki in that he'll either be great or he'll do nothing. Yeah. Um, and that's nothing against him because he has had a lot of good performances so far at Delican, but he's also had a lot of games where it's passed him by. Yeah, I don't um, think he's, he's a fan of the, the physical games. Um, no, not all. Just gone by, we're, we're two in your face. Um, and I don't think that's his kind of style. I mean, I didn't really... I'm not going to pretend I watched him play at, at Scumfort because I didn't. But um, Ben's in that BBC Radio Umberside all say that he's a great player, that he, he looks... Um, a very effective player at Scunthorpe. Um, obviously, hasn't had the chance at Bristol yet. Um, so the a top end of League One should make him shine. But yeah, he has he has like you said, just been a passenger some games, and then other games like Grimsby, for example, has been absolutely amazing. Yeah, that's what we. It's like he's clearly the talent is clearly there. It's just sometimes I think if he gets a hard tackle, he kind of shakes away from the game a bit. Yeah, yeah, frustrating. Probably the best way to describe a delicate because. But no one's had a, no one's been a bad signing at all yet. No, I would say definitely. I I would go out and say that Maya. Um, I mean, when we first signed him, when we first when he whipped that cross in for Wilkes against Crew, um, with an absolute peach of a left foot. And I mean, he's come from, I think he did fourteen assists last season. So he's got he's got the ability to set up goals. So I was quite excited about the fact that we'd managed to get him on a free, and then he whaps in a cross like that on his debut. Was it his debut? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I think it was his debut. Um, so we'll say he's done that. Um, but then he's not really done anything since. And he's not grabbed any sort of opportunity that he's had um, when we've played 
when he started in cup games, it's similar to Scott, really, that they, they show these um, glimpses of, of, of the ability that they've got, but we're not seeing it. Yeah, they feel like players who need a... Who, might need a regular run to get that form up, but you can't drop other players as a result. No, with Maya players on the right hand side as well, so you'd have to drop Wilkes. But then this exactly. is why that when they play in the cup, that they, you, you'd think they'd be playing their hearts out to try and win that. Because if you're up against someone like Malik Wilkes and you're trying to dispose of him from the first team and replace him, then you're going to need to put in some sort of uh, shift. And if they really. Exactly. Um, but yeah, like you said, you can't really say any of our signings have been bad because they, they, they've all we, we've we've signed um, to create quite a big um, squad that should be able to. If we picked up a few injuries, we should still be as strong with the replacement players. Because um, even with our youth squad, uh, our youngsters, if you think Callum Jones, Billy Chadwick, and them, they, they, if they had to step in on the bench and be that player to come on and try and make a difference, you you would fully expect them to be able to do that. Um, which I think is probably the complete opposite to what we had last season. Last season, squad we were so thin and we just couldn't cope with the uh, the falling form and the the amount of injuries we had. But yeah, I think we had too many. We had too many players who um, were happy to like let a game go by again. Yeah, I mean, you think players. I mean, Leo De Silva. I absolutely loved him. I thought first half of the season, oh, was brilliant. Um, it really annoys me that one. But it's quite obvious yeah. that. After the restart, he just didn't want to be here. And it's he like... was, he was for me my player of the season. Um, up to that point, I think. Yeah. Um, with Bowen gone, obviously. Yeah. Um, but that Wigan game, it killed it. He's just the lack of care he seemed to have, particularly after the restart. But when that Wigan game happened, it was just, and he wasn't the only one, obviously, on that day. But no, well, I, I still stand by my. Um, claim that the, the players threw that game on purpose trying to get McCann sacked because there's no, absolutely no way that they put in that kind of performance in what was probably the most important game of the year I mean uh, it was bad enough a performance to be believable that completely yeah. I honestly think that he'd lost the dressing room and half of them players wanted him gone and I think it was either McCann's going or we're going and then after that match when he didn't get sacked um, that was it they all stopped playing yeah. And it seems like the players who were most, if that is obviously the case, the players who were most behind that aren't at the club anymore by the looks of things. Yeah, they've, they've gone. Um, which is a good thing, um, I think, because you only want players that play for the club regardless of your manager. I mean, yeah, you can disagree with the manager in the way he sets up, but you've still got to go out there and play more. Um, absolute heart out. Um, for, the, for the badge that you're wearing, um, obviously. But here we are anyway, we're in League One. We're rebuilding. It's It's... We're getting there. Um, so, what would you say was our best performance this season? Oh, that's a yeah. There's a couple. See, this this is a weird one because I think this our team so far hasn't got out of it hasn't got up to its full gear at any point this season. I don't think. No, I agree. I think so. we've, we've had a good. We, we have obviously we've won a few games. We've, well, we've won a lot of games, but in a lot of those games, I feel like we've not really probably gone at the team that we faced as much as we could have done. Um, and I feel that there's been a few games where we've played okay, but and kind of got away with it. 
Yeah. But there's a couple, obviously, there's been some games where we've been fantastic. And I think the one that comes to mind off the top of my head is probably the Ipswich game. Yeah. Um, Ipswich away, I think, was by far the best performance for me this season. Because it's a team that was always that's at the top of the table with us. It was a game where I would have been happy to take a draw. Yeah, it was a worrying and, match. It was a match that you looked up coming and you thought, right, if we lose that, then we've probably not got the credential. Uh, the credential exactly. Where we are. And it was a match that, despite what uh, Mick Mills and BBC Radio Suffolk might think, <laughs> um, we were superb in. Yeah, we was. No, yeah, I, could, I, I mean, because there's two or three games I think you could see this year. I think um, uh, mine would be the Doncaster game. Because I think that they were... They were a banana skin. Yeah, they were only 10th, but they, they'd got points off teams around us. Um, they tended to be... They, they were looking like that team that were going to be very effective against the top-end sides, but then disappointed against the lower half. And with it being Doncaster, I've always associated them with being a bogey team. I just could see us losing. It was just that kind of game I expected us to lose. And we absolutely battered them. The, the, that's, the reason I don't consider that, I think, the best performance, because... We should have battered them. We threw it yeah. away almost. The score didn't reflect the game. Um, yeah. And it, the fact that we let them back into it and we got lucky, quite frankly, in the their keeper spilled a pretty innocuous shot right to uh, Tom Eaves. No, absolutely. But I think it was in the grand scheme of the game, when you look back at it, they had one chance or get, we limited what was a very good Doncaster side to one clear opportunity in the game. Yes, they took it. But over 90 minutes, they did absolutely nothing other than that. Um, we oh, absolutely. They, they would not have been angry if they were 5 or 6 nil down at half-time because that was fully what they deserved. Um, I think the difference I have between the two is, at Ipswich, we took our chances. Yeah. And at Doncaster, for the most part, we didn't. Um, and it nearly, it nearly haunted us. Yeah. And I think we have been quite... I've, I've, I've tweeted a few times saying that we are we are due to absolutely drub someone six. Five, we are. Um, we keep having shed ton of chances, like fifth, upwards of 15, 20 shots every game, but we only have like four or five on target and we take two or three of them. Um, if we could start putting away even half of our chances, mate, we're we are cricket scoring most teams in this league. I think to say that we're second top scorers in the league and we have still should have scored so many more than we have, is both frustrating and amazing at the same time. Yeah, it's weird when you see the stat that we're like one of, I think it's like six or seven teams across like the major team leagues in Europe and the EFL who've scored in every game. Yeah, I mean um, it's our away form mostly because we're, we're we're absolutely amazing away from home. We scored two or three most games at home. We started, I think we started solid, but we weren't scoring many. We were winning like one nil. Um, I think at home we do need to start putting teams to bed quite soon. I know they're going to play more negatively when they come to the KCOM. It's going to be harder to break them down um, than it is when they come at you when they're the home side. But you, you do, I mean, like Doncaster, for example, what we did, we had 25 shots. Yeah. And we, we had to resort to scoring a fumbled goalkeeper error to win the game. These are the kind of games where you need to be putting four or five in and put this team to bed. Yeah. Because but the one, the one, the one thing I would take from it, though, is... Um, even though we didn't dominate, we did dominate, but we didn't score. The fact that we did that was pegged back, and then we did score shows that the team does have a bit of resilience. Yeah. Um, which I would never have said that team would have had not long ago at all. No. Last season, if 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 the moment we conceded, we lost the game, or if we went one 0 up and then conceded, we would go on and lose the game. It was um, 
this side's got a lot more character to them. I think that is also a testament to the players we've signed that have got experience at this level. I think, you, I think players like Smallwood, um, brilliant signing, Greg Dockey, um, Coyle and Emmanuel have both played in League One for quite a while. McCann's even been manager in League One for all of his managerial career. So they have got the know-how now. Um, they're a bit more streetwise when we're, look, we're holding on to leads. The Oxford game started a bit frustratingly and got better. Um, obviously, maybe the fans attending sort of spared them on to play a bit better at the beginning. I, I think the ref also helped on that one as well. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, but the, the ref we could be talking about for an hour and a half, and I'm pretty oh. sure there's been a few podcasts cover that referee. Um, I've listened if, to anyone, if anyone read my Twitter feed after that game, <laughs> uh, I think it was first half was me slating the team, second half was me slating the ref. Yes, much. I mean, there was a Stonewall penalty, and then I don't know why he brought play back when he. That I was mean, what he, did. I, he, I just he said when that happened. He said that he didn't. Well, Docky said that the ref apologised him and said, "I didn't see you running through on goal," which is ridiculous because if you watch the highlights, he's looking straight at directly behind where the foul. <laughs> So unless he's literally only got tunnel vision and he's looking at the foul and only at the foul and not the rest of the pitch, which I think as a referee is very bad anyway. I mean, it wasn't like Doherty was wearing a bright coloured kit like it was white or anything uh, as well. Yeah, it, it didn't stand out, you know. No, no. He, yeah, but he was he was a douchebag in the Gillingham game as well. So yeah, I just think the referees in, in, in total at this level have not been very good. But what do we expect? Yeah, they were never. I, don't, I think. Just, I don't think it matters what level you're at at the moment in English football. The referees are a bit of a joke. Well, the Premier League have got VAR, but Which, that's not brilliant either. <laughs> you don't know what you're I think that, that That's made things so much better and so much worse at the same time. Yeah, it's got potential. It's being used wrong. But we're not in the Premier League, so we'll leave that one. No, we're not um, going to be there for a while, I don't think, yeah, either. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they were the best games. Um, West also, I would, give a, I would give a shout out, actually, as well, to the Groomsby game. Yeah, absolutely. The younger side. Obviously, it's a local. It's a local derby. Obviously, I know Grimsby are doing well at the moment, but being a, the first time we've had a Humber derby in God knows how long. I think it's the first time in about nine years with Scunthorpe, and we haven't faced Grimsby in an official competitive game for about twenty odd years now. Yeah. Um, it it could have easily been a banana slip considering we needed to win as well. Yeah, because form um, usually, form and league position usually goes out the windows in them kind of games anyway. Yeah, and because it was always going to be a weakened side as well with our second team. But they went out and they're comfortable. It was so comfortable. Grimsby yeah. didn't have a sniff at all for an entire game. With our um, and, offside goal. And, yeah, the offside goal, which was about three yards on. I had some fun um, with the Grimsby admin on, the, on Twitter that day. And the... Uh, and any any game that ends with the Ian Holloway, Ian Holloway having a rant like he did on Humberside. <laughs> at least he was. At least um, Holloway was 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 um, honest and said his team didn't deserve anything. Unlike yeah, it, it was more a rant against his own team than us. Yeah, like the you know we've won eleven games this season. We've not deserved to win a single one of them. Apparently, I'm loving uh, League One manager bingo. It's been a fun time. Um, working out which manager's going to spew crap each yeah. week. Well, you're just expecting now, don't you, every match? <sighs> um, I mean, what? I think 25 shots to Doncaster's six, and they said that they were disappointed to not get anything from that game. It's like, mm. I think the most recent game against Oxford was probably the first time I thought yeah. maybe Carl <laughs> Robinson 
he, he, I can give him a fair chance at that one for saying they were the better team because yeah, a lot of it they were. You also wouldn't have, um, you, you know, begrudged them if they'd have managed to hold out and win a one nil game because he did exactly kind of match. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I agree with you. That'll be the, maybe the one game where I think we. <sighs> that and Fleetwood maybe. Um, well, no, Fleetwood. But we're going to get on to, we're going to get onto West performances, yeah. aren't we now? Anyway, yeah, so, yeah, with that one. So, am I right in saying your worst is Fleetwood then? Definitely. Yeah. Um, in terms of as a full game, definitely. I think we've had some games where the first half, I think it was against Bristol Rovers, was abysmal. I think it was Bristol Rovers when Grant had to make a triple sub at half time. I think it was just after the second half. And that was what changed the game. Um, and obviously, the, the first half against Oxford was no good as well. But in terms of as a full actual performance all round, the, the, the Fleetwood game was an absolute shocker. Um, Joey Barton did an absolute job on us. He did. Um, Which is really annoying because that man is so detestable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, mean, I, I think the thing was with the Fleetwood game, we did okay. You could tell you the signs were there. We went in one one at half time, but the signs were there. We were getting overloaded on both fullbacks. They were in our faces. They were aggressive. They pressed hard. Yeah, they they knew that if they were aggressive, they could get out us very easily, and we just crumbled. And the um, defense, yeah, the defense were, were just not. I think it was to be fair. The midfield didn't. I mean, even Honeyman had a poor game. I mean, it was one of his bad passes, wasn't it? That put us two one down, wasn't it? I mean, it was just yeah. one of them where the majority of the team were just not at the races. We set up tactically wrong. Um, I don't think Grant expected them to be as aggressive as they did because, well, he mustn't have done because we just set up in a, in a way that allowed them to two-on-one our full-backs every single time and that Saunders had an absolute blinder. I mean, what a player he is. But, oh, God, yeah. Um... Yeah, no, I would have to agree. That would be our worst form. I'm, I'm, it's more, that was a nice welcome to League One. I think it was probably, yeah. look back, a good thing that that happened because we were... I was just about to say that. I think it was a positive in the long run because it yeah. meant Grant had to realise that there's going to be teams that will... We were still we winning every game. We were not conceding. And then it was sort of like we were brought down to where before we got too cocky. I think if we'd have carried on winning the way we were, it eventually come to bite us on the ass, and we'd have probably had a run of bad results because we start expecting to win every game. So the fact that that happened I mean, sooner all... rather than later, yeah, it sort of taught I think it's also... to, to not take every match for granted. Yeah, I think it's also worth mentioning the Peterborough game as well because it was a game that I don't think for the most part we didn't play badly in, but we were comfortable, we were 1-0 up and we just threw it away with two very, very sloppy goals. And looking now at the table as it is, if we'd have won that one, if we'd have held on yeah. and we'd have kept playing as we were, where we could have been in comparison. Yeah, I, I think that all the time because also if we'd have beat Peterborough and put that bit of distance between us and then... Yeah, the gap would be even bigger. Beat Swindon like we should have done. Um, this, yeah, yeah. The, the Swindon game was very poor as well. Um, I think Swindon was more... Think, it was two very bad bits of defending for both goals. Um, yeah, we didn't. Play Swindon was horrible. Swindon was a weird game where I thought neither team played well. Yeah, it was just it was a, it was an ugly game. It was a nasty game. Whoever picked whoever did the most errors was losing that game, and unfortunately, that was us. But also, I think that kind of game can also be like the Fleetwood one turned around to be positive because it's like, look, lads, you need to. 
you can't just be complacent when you're at the back. These kind of teams are going to be, they've been down here longer. They know what they're doing. They're small streetwise. Like their first goal was horrid defending. No, no one of them City players was anywhere near. That, oh, it was. It was just so bad. Such poor defending, and I think that kind of thing makes McCann then take him back in and say, "Look, what is this? What are you doing there?" Then next time when you're out on the training, next game, it's like we're making sure we're picking up our men now. We have been a lot better, and we're conceding maybe one every now and again. Um, but we don't look like we're going to concede more than one ever at the moment, which is good. Yeah, we we look a lot more defensively short, especially since the Peterborough game. Um, there was a, I did have a worry actually in the early part of the season, even though we were winning all those games, and I brought it up a few times on, on like forum forums and stuff, about the teams we were playing at the time. They were, they, those teams, a lot of them had a lot of good chances to score against us, and they never did, and they would miss some really bad chances, and we got away with it. Yeah, so you don't need to those games that was won. clinical to just really put us to bed. And fleet, and then then Fleetwood happens, and it showed that there's a te- that teams down there. If they have a player up front who can put it in the back of the net, they will punish us. But I think since then, Grant. I think also since then, worth mentioning is, I would say the biggest thing since that Fleetwood game is someone called Jacob Greaves. Yes. Um. Which um, I don't know if you're going to talk about best player so far this season any time, but yeah, yeah, we'll get on to best and worst. Um, where would Greaves be our best? I I won't put him as my best of the season, but I Notable think mention. his introduction into the his introduction into the team, something about that, that defensive partnership between him and Beck has just blossomed so quickly, and I think having a player who is the son of a famous City player. Makes it all more sweeter. Cares about the club. Clearly cares about the club. Um, He's going to give absolutely everything when he's on the field. And having someone like Beck next to him, who, while at times last season was definitely very suspect, since he's come down into this division, he's looked great. Yeah. No, um, I mean, to be fair, Johnny Device, I've been saying for a long time, needed dropping. Um. I don't think he wants to be here. Or if he does, he's just going through a really bad run of form. I don't know what's going on with him. Um, but he, I think, was probably one of our top three undroppable last season. Since he, start, since he was made captain, I don't know maybe if that burden came to him too soon, but it just he's not been the same since the restart. And it, I thought this was, was an absolute beast. And he's he's not been. I think if you look back at a few of the games where he started, I know he was starting in the, the clean sheet run at the beginning. But most goals, if you look back on when he's in the side, has been... Well, from him, yeah. He's not picking up his man or he's doing slap marking or slap clearances. And it's just, he's he's, he's almost half-assed all of his performances. And it's... It was it was very weird seeing a man who clearly, when you're watching him play, the leadership, the leadership qualities are clearly there for all to see. When it last season in particular... The moment he got the armband, it seemed like they just—it was like a chest, a poison chalice, and he just couldn't deal with it. Yeah, so I think which is his his—you'd hope that dropping him for Greaves and losing his place to youngster, give him that kick up the ass um, that he needs to maybe think, oh wow, maybe I'm not undroppable. I need to, I need to get back to the level I was at. I mean, personally, me, I, I won't, I won't be, um, I won't be mad if we sold him in January. I think we should sell him. I think 
weird wise wise it would be a very I think Grant's gonna try and sell him in January. I mean he had a lot of interest really from do. America, didn't he? Was it LA Galaxy or someone like that? I, I can't remember the team exactly, but there was definitely MLS looking at him. Um but yeah, I think in January if one of Grant's main focuses should be getting rid of him off the wage bill. Um because it's a man who we're not playing, so why have him there? And secondly, he doesn't want to be here. Well, it looks that way. Anyway, we don't know, do we? We don't know if something's happened in his personal life. But to no, me, it, I just it, we can't afford to be having that sort of lapse defending when you're trying to battle and retain first place, which I think in this league is looking more and more increasingly difficult. I mean, we've got a few bad games coming up. You think Portsmouth, Lincoln, they're all on a good run. Yeah, the Lincoln game's the one I'm looking at in particular. Even um, Princeton, with them being close to us. They're, they're, what, the seventh? They're seventh. I believe so, yeah. And they've got like two or three games in hand, so they're not. They're, they're playing very well. Um, I mean, I, I would say we shouldn't. But the table is a lie, <laughs> I would say, because the Ox- Oxford were in 19th at the start of the game when we played them. And they look like the side that were top, well, to be honest, in that first half. Yeah, they they won't be down there at the start at the end of the season, no chance. No, not with that kind of performance. You you wouldn't imagine so. If that's if it's a regular occurrence for them, they should be up in the top half, definitely. Um. So best performer then. Um. I think there's only one real player you can say. Well, maybe two. Um. Whichever way you look at it, but I would I, I would say Honeyman. I mean, Honeyman is. I, I might get some criticism for this but I think he might be the best player in the entire league <laughs> I think well in terms of if stats he's probably what is he on seven or eight assists I mean even assisted um, he's 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 top of the assist table at the moment uh, um, I mean if you think back to the Hunman we had last season if we're to believe that it was just the dressing room and maybe him not being settled in the area was the reason for I mean because I liked Honeyman last season he did, he did I did how, he didn't have the end product we needed um, you would much prefer maybe a few other midfielders we had above him, but he always tried. Where- yeah, I, I I liked Honeyman last season. I felt he he became once Evan had gone, um, he became the scapegoat for a lot of fans. Yeah, um, which I think I can I can kind of understand because he wasn't offering loads. He ran- but he was he was running around a lot, but he wasn't actually offering a lot. Output wise, yeah. Um, but this season he's just—he's just found another level. The, the, the cliche that gets that gets banded about on social media is Paler, but yeah. Paler didn't run around as much as Honeyman does. The thing is, as well, is he—he he doesn't often get substituted. And if you look at Honeyman, he runs non-stop for ninety minutes, and he is literal box to box. He goes. That because he is a superb athlete, and he pushes forwards, and he drives and tries a one-two's, and he gets in, he whips in a nice cross. Maybe needs to add a couple more. I mean, he's on two goals, is he now this season? I think he should be on. More. I think he's on. I like his. Runs I think he's on two box. or three. Yeah. I don't think he gets rewarded enough for his runs into the box, but definitely. I mean, he's, he's so his two goals, seven assists. That's nine goal contributions just from him. I, He's either seven or eight assists. I can't remember exactly, but he's top of the assist table for the league. Definitely. Um, just. An absolute, he's just found two or three more gears and he is literal first name on the team sheet, undroppable. I mean, I don't think I... another player we can actually replace him with that would do the same job. I think he's no, I would, I would say the rules. Really miss. 
it, it's what's the best way to describe it? Um, it's weird how I think it's because he's playing when he when McCann had him, he played him either as the deep midfielder or as a wide person. But now he seems to play him as the more attacking midfielder. He's like a number ten. Yeah. I know we play 4-3-3, but a lot of the times the, the team feels like it's more like a 4-2-3-1. Yeah. I mean, and it I feels mean, like he is it's that weird centerpiece. The, yeah, the, the midfield three are sort of very well balanced. So with Smallwood signing, he he now acts as the anchor. He just sits in front of the back four and does that Ashby role. Doherty is the one who does both. He does box-to-box. He runs about, tries to link defence to attack. And then Honeyman is the one who receives the ball in the, in the edge of the opposition box and then whips it in. So it's like they all complement each other in that style, and I think that's why it works. Yeah, I'm so glad Doherty got a goal against Oxford because the way he's played this season, he, he should have already had about four or five. Yeah, I think he will do. Um, and I think, yeah, I think him getting injured obviously was a bit of a downer for him, but he's come back into the team and he's looked better than he did before. Yeah. Um, I think in terms of best players as well, there's it's hard to just pick one because... Seeing one player and then leaving out, say, Malik Wilkes or Keen Lewis Potter as the in fact, any of the attackers, Pat, I think McGuinness yeah. has been it surprised me sorely un- underrated by a lot of people. Yeah, I, I, the way I, he's gone I, about I it this season. Say I'm not really a big fan of McGuinness, but I am impressed by his latest run. I do think I, it, what confuses me about um, our striker options was that McCann seemed to sign three strikers that were the exact same type of striker. So we didn't... Really... Yeah, it was weird that. Um, he never tried to no. bring in... Or even when he did try and bring in... He never. He always only tried to play the sole striker. Yeah. I mean, it's so... fair enough to play on that one striker, but you need to be able to, to vary your game. So if, if that target man 4-3-3 wasn't working, you want to be able to switch to a 4-4-2 and then have like a nip striker in alongside him. Like... It would be... I would be very interested. I mean, at the moment, it's working, so I wouldn't be considering changing the form. No, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, but I, it would be, it would be interesting to see what a, a duo up front, say, say Keen Lewis Potter and McGuinness, yeah, the big man and the quick pacey man. It'd yeah. be interesting to see what that'd be like. I would assume they'd complement each other because McGuinness would hold it up and and Keno like exactly in between and getting behind. But yeah, I mean. Well, that was my only gist with our striking options was that the three strikers seem to just be the exact same player. McGinnis, um, Eves and Balog. Um, I mean, Balog looked quite tidy with the ball, to be fair. I'm quite... Um, yeah, he just didn't get any time at all. Um, um, he was unlucky, I think, a bit as well. He's on the cusp. He gets a lot of hate. I think sometimes justifiably, sometimes maybe a bit harshly. I don't think he played enough to, to justify a lot of the hurt. Um, but at the, same, at the same time, he never really did anything to when he does get prove it wrong either. Play, he doesn't tend to... Exactly. He never did anything to prove that hurt wrong as well. Yeah. That's the thing. I mean, I like the guy. I think he tries very hard. I, I want him to do well. I want him to do well so much. But then he, like for, for the Stevenage game, I just found myself being so frustrated with him because he's like, what is he, 6'4", six, 6'5", six, and he spends all of his time in left wing. He really needs yeah. to be in the box or where he's dangerous, where we can whip across into what he runs. If he's not offside, he's receiving the ball on the wing where he's no use to us. Because then put it, the in the put it this way, if if you would to, if you had told me he'd left the club already, I would have believed you. He's been that much of a passenger. Yeah. 
But I do think... Which I think is maybe the biggest insult you can yeah. possibly say. I don't know if it's maybe weed up, weed up play to his strengths because he scored 40 up goals for Gillingham at this level. So it's not like he's a bad striker. We signed him on a free. It's not like he's a flop because we didn't spend X million pounds on him. We signed him on a free. He's a decent... Well, we saw at the beginning when, when we first signed him, I preferred him to McGuinness. Shit, we're on about Eves that way. Yeah. I didn't mean that. I just said, I'd like that cut, Joel. <laughs> I completely thought, I was thinking about Balog then, still, in my head. <laughs> no. No, Eves has been fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. Um, so... Particularly in his most recent run. <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's, 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 he's doing, his goal to game ratio at the moment is pretty impressive. I, I, I went to tell something a few days ago about McGuinness's goal-to-game ratio, the way he has at the moment. I don't know what it is right now, but I worked out a couple of games ago and it was something like he'd end up with about 20 goals for us this season. And I think if you told any City fan at the start of the season, McGuinness will get 20 goals, it would have snapped your hand off. Oh, yeah. I wouldn't think he'd get more than 10. Exactly. I, I wouldn't have thought that either. I, I, but he's on. he's got a few assists as well. And... Um, and it was something like he'd end up with about 20 goals and about 10 or 11 assists, which is a really good return. Yeah, because he holds the ball and brings the wings into the game and you've got wingers like KLP and Wilts. You're always going to be in and amongst them assist ranks if you can set them up. Um, but yeah, I think majority of this season's success probably can go down to the fact that they're actually working as a team. Um, it's a shame that the fans aren't in to um, see what is probably going to be quite a successful season um, it would be nice um, but you know I mean, this, this, this fans huge thing. numbers but we would have someone there witnessing it um, yeah it, I think it's clear and obvious um, unlike VAR that fans are so important just from the Oxford game that it was so obvious the difference between the empty stadium with the fake noise yeah I mean if to... you watch all the games I've, I've watched on telly at the moment the ones that have got fans in the game it's the home side that tends to have gotten the points and I think it's the atmosphere that has the effect yeah it's because players have misplayed in front of the fans it gives them that little bit of extra spare on when they can feel themselves dipping uh, they look around and see the fans in the stadium again they think oh and then they pick themselves back up again rather than Which... slouch and just see the game out because they were like behind closed doors friendly it was weird to watch on telly it was just like watching a a friendly match. Yeah, watching any of the games without the crowd noise on felt so weird. And the crowd noise felt weird as well because it was always out of sync. Yeah. But yeah, it felt like he was watching pre-season constantly. So with the way we're going, um, you would assume there were going to be uh, a championship team next season, which leads me to the question, Will, where do you think we're going to finish this year? Well, I mean, to be honest, I can't actually say anything at the moment other than I'll, I'll say top four because I don't want to risk <laughs> saying top two and then us do what we did last season because we were eight, like, as we said already, yeah, we were eighth of the new year and we finished twenty fourth. Yeah, I mean, and I, if I was offered it now, I would take top six. I'd, I would. I'd I be mean, disappointed if we finished. I would be disappointed, yeah, uh, but I would take it. Because at the moment, the way we're going, I mean, what we, I'm sure Sky said something like we're the fastest team to 10 wins since 1940 summer in this league. So uh, we are at the moment doing what we're expected to do and a bit more. 
Um, yeah, at the moment, the way we're going, we should we should go comfortably. But like, I just last season has burned me so much. Yeah, that I can't trust the side the whole to stay in that position. Yeah, I mean, but I, the only the only the only way you got to look at it now is, um, is there I think the, anything the fact- that would stop us from being on the kind of I think a couple of bad results in a row might curtail what we've done. I think you might see yeah, it, a different sort it of... Depend, it, de- it depends on the nature of the result. Say, if it's if it's a game where it's like Fleetwood and the errors were made to look really bad um, and comfortably humbled, um, I would definitely worry. But if it was more like an Oxford where it's a game of two halves and even though we did play badly for a lot of it, we there were positives to take out of it by the end of it. Yeah. And I wouldn't be as I wouldn't be as concerned. I would still be concerned, but I think the nature of the defeat always is a big question mark on it. I think if we get through December and we come into January and we are still top of the league, I genuinely think we'll see it through and we'll finish in the top two at least. Because this is. Very- I think January. I think January is always a big. Yeah. Um, point. I think because it depends on obviously the transfer window as well, because. It may be that a player gets injured, or a player suddenly wants to leave. But that's the thing. Or we get a bid. We get a bid for someone. The support packages that are coming down from the Premier League. If I think if you get if you accept that um, payment package, you aren't allowed to sign any players in January. I think that's what I saw. It might have been bollocks because it was just a random article, but I'm pretty sure that if you accept financial support from the Premier League thing that you can't sign players in January because it's almost like, well, if you needed this money, why are you spending it? Why are you spending it? Yeah, yeah I have no idea on that in particular, but... That might be something we're um, into. Um, and I, I would just think I, I, Ehab's going to be like, yes, give me that money. Well, I, I wonder that because as much as I I could go on for hours about how much I despise Ehab Alam, but I won't, um, I, I feel like he wouldn't ticket for some reason I mean because it, I think it depends on the, the state I think if for example you've got an offering for device towards the end of December and he knows he's going to go and that's going to be a decent sum of money um, it's going to be quite a bit I, I would yeah I would definitely accept that for certain look at that and think mm, yeah I could probably get another couple of League One players on that wage bill now I don't. It'd be a discussion between the owners and and, and Grant probably in terms of whether he thinks on his squad's good enough to carry on. Maybe injuries might have a say in it. But like again, we're just speculating because I didn't really read the article, so it might be just a load of tosh. We don't know. Yeah, Alex, I've not read a massive amount on it. I'll be honest. Um, so, but I would say because. It's always easy predicting it, but say in the next game, Wilkes breaks his leg. Yeah. Um, and then you've lost your main attacking outlet for the season so far for a few months. Yeah, say we lose Wilkes and, and Pokemon within a couple of Yeah. And because of the way that the fixtures pile up, I can see the team starting to slow down at some point because the, fi- because of the congestion and... The key players, the way that they play, they're how physical they play, 
I'm actually amazed some of them haven't already started to burn out. Yeah, but I think I think um, the squad rotation has been quite. Um, I think that's probably one of the positives you could say about McCann this season is that yeah, I, game by game, like said, before, the, switch it up. It looked, five something. Yeah, he didn't against Oxford, which I was surprised. But then I was after well. that that we did, and maybe he's thinking, yeah, maybe I should have tweaked just a couple of players about in that one. Yeah, I think as I mentioned before, the five subs really helps as well with the squad rotation. Yeah. Um, it, it helps obviously it's it's an advantage for us more than other clubs um, but it helps the, the way it can give you like I said before the way it op- opens up opportunities for other players and gives fresh legs in a game where you might your, your team starting to tire or the opposition starting to tire and you can bring on more fresh legs yeah I mean that's that probably will ultimately be what seals our fate in terms of winning the league or not will be um, the fitness of the squad um, the size of the squad injuries and being able to sustain this kind of level of play for game by game. Um, I believe that we've got a big enough squad to maybe see it through. Maybe a loan signing or two in January would do. Um, I, I can see us not. I can see us not signing anyone in January. I could see it, and I, I don't think um, I would be heartbroken by it. If we lost a couple, I'd expect a couple. Um, yeah, absolutely. That have got a bit of potential on them um, rather than first teamers, but. Um, no, I can't. I wouldn't be too begrudged if we didn't sign anybody. Uh, I do think we've got a big enough squad to sustain what we're doing. Hopefully, um, we have enough variation in our play that not all the teams have found us out now. And then the second half of the season, we struggle to con- continue to do what we do, uh, which is a big possibility. Because look at Sheffield United now in the Prem. Surprise everyone with their style of play, but then as soon as everyone figures you out, that's it. Oh, they've been figured out hard. Yeah. <laughs> they are on derby level. Of, I mean, I fully expect us to get promoted. I think anything less is is, is a massive disappointment. I don't. Maybe depending on where we finish, I think staying down would probably be the end of McCann. Absolutely, I think if if we if we don't go, what McCann has to go, um. It's, it seems weird being all like negative like that at the moment the way we're playing, but, yeah, but it's just, I think it's the it's the position he's put himself into at this. Never point. forget the six um, points from six. He's very lucky to have a job. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I said it, I think I said at the start. I don't like him, but he's clearly doing what needs to be done at the moment, and that's all that matters. Yes, absolutely. So I think good summary. We've had a very successful season. We've made some very good signings. Um, can possibly 10 in a corner um, with a few fans if not all um, and then it's just whether or not we can sustain what we're doing um, I think that probably wraps everything up um, we'll regroup and decide topic for the next episode but uh, thanks Will it's alright always nice talking to you I have to try and get down and see you at it's some point it's been a while yes yes um, obviously Covid's not had a very good impact on all of our lives but we're up and running. Um, I think we'll probably try and get Joel on the next one. We'll see what he's saying. Uh, but thanks, Will. That's quite all right. And thanks for having me on and inviting me to co-host the podcast with you. Yeah, no worries. We needed a we needed a regular. Uh, I needed a co-host that I was uh, dependable. I think could be the the uh, the descriptor. Well, I don't know why you picked me then. <laughs> well, just don't let me down, will I? Right.
cheers for listening anyway guys um we'll try and um find out some sort of uh release schedule for these episodes um obviously if you've liked it please do give us some feedback on twitter uh is always helpful um we like to know what we can do better and what we did badly yeah, especially me because it yeah i get paranoid <laughs> but um you are the only one don't worry <laughs> yeah uh, we're all new to this. Uh, it's something we wanted to do for a while, but we just needed to get going. And this is our first one, so if you are listening, thanks for the support. Uh- the TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However... When it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.